independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to any uh, and everyone who celebrated it over the last few days. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to the new year. I want to start with the Twitter files uh, because, well, I think they're fascinating. And I think they're fascinating for two reasons. The first reason I think they're fascinating is so many news organizations, mainstream media, uh, legacy media, whatever you want to call it, seem to think they're not interesting at all. They don't really need to be talked about even a little bit, uh, which makes them even more interesting to me. But beyond that is the latest dump of information. Uh, the latest reporting uh, focuses heavily on how Twitter suppressed conversation about COVID, about the uh, correct responses to it, whether that be a lockdown, uh, whatever it might be, uh, wearing of masks, vaccines, so many different things in the world of coronavirus and how the government, uh, both actually administrations, uh, Trump and Biden, pushed for certain things on social media. I think the biggest thing they said about the Trump um, administration is that they tried to silence or, or lower the amount of people who were talking about uh, whatever that might be, censor um, the amount of people who were talking about runs in grocery stores, the amount of hoarding and things going on uh, early on in the pandemic. Uh, the amount of things that happened during the Biden administration, though, are much more about the medicine itself. And so I thought it was really interesting. I have some audio of Dr. Mark Siegel, uh, who is a contributor to Fox News. Uh, he was interviewed. And, and part of what he said at the, the forefront of this audio, maybe I'll play the full minute, maybe I'll just stop it there, uh, we'll see, um, is about how silencing opinion, silencing thought from medical experts, from uh, people that work at Harvard, wherever it might be, is actually anti-science. And the reason I find that so valuable is how many politicians, Democratic ones, uh, how many people on the left demanded that we follow science, demanded that that all we do in all of this is is do what is being told we or what we were being told to do by the scientific community as a whole. Well, it turns out we were silencing a bunch of them. And that's not exactly how that's supposed to work. Very disturbing. Uh, censorship, especially coming from the government, Griff, is on the road to totalitarianism, isn't it? On either side, anyone in power trying to suppress opinions. And science is based on the diversity of opinions, especially in a situation of evolving science with a new virus that people don't understand, don't know about yet. That's why the word emergency use authorization was used, because it was new, because the vaccine was new because we didn't know how contagious and deadly and how much this virus affected us. I said at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was concerned about lockdowns because I had researched that for prior books on prior lockdowns going all the way back to the Middle Ages where there were problems with them because people rebelled, people were fearful, and they didn't necessarily contain the pathogen. And this virus, we soon found out, was way more contagious than we thought. So lockdowns were a poor strategy. And yet, well, that's what we did. And yet that's what we were told to do. That's what Twitter um, allowed to be shared on its platform. And anyone talking about the opposite, well, they got in a lot of trouble. My, the most interesting thing to me on this topic, I'll try not to talk about it too much today, but to me it's very fascinating, is some of the um, proof of the position that the reporter takes that sharing these Twitter files, the latest batch of them uh, with everybody on social media, and then it's supposed to be everybody else. But I guess if you don't go there, you might not be aware of this story is some of the things that got censored, some of the things that had a warning on them uh, were people, uh, whether it was actual medical experts or, or just people providing information in response to other stuff that was on the social media platform, 
that we're actually putting out raw data from the CDC itself. In, in our country, the CDC, um, obviously a, a organization that everybody was told to listen to on every uh, thing they said, and then eventually people started making fun of because, well, they got stuff wrong, which they've even admitted. They themselves have now said that we, we got things wrong. We did things the wrong way. Maybe we, I think this was a CDC admission too, even silenced some opinions or, or rejected them when we should have at least been listening, hearing them out. Essentially what happens in everyday society about every other conversation, certainly political conversations, but woke conversations, whatever it might be, happened in the world of medicine and happened in social media. Uh, but it is, to me, the most valuable part of it that those things were warned and silenced and pushed down even when they were just proof of the opposite of what someone else was saying, using the actual data itself, it proves a bias. It proves something that was long talked about, long believed, and not uh, accepted as much as it should have been. So it's, it is crazy. It is valuable. It does have a place in day-to-day conversation, and it's not being talked about a lot. All right, I want to transition to something else. This is... Um, uh, a tough topic in, in general, just because uh, all the blizzards, all the um, things that happened throughout the country uh, caused a lot of horrible stuff to happen in, in Buffalo, New York, and, well, other places in the country, too. Uh, but people lost their lives. I think they're up to uh, 27 people or something like that in Buffalo that they believe uh, died during the blizzard. Uh, people uh, died in their cars. Um, and actually, that that uh, pivots to a different conversation. I'll, I'll have it a different time. Because it's important when you talk about this, when you talk about lives lost in our country and whatnot, to not divert immediately to some other thing, to, to transition to some other conversation, to say something that's political in nature, whatever it might be, uh, but to focus on at least uh, initially uh, when we talk about this stuff in places like this, broadcast mediums and whatnot, uh, to just say how sad, how, how tragic, how awful uh, these stories are. And I think for the politicians themselves, the people who are trying to shape policy, the people who are trying to do things a certain way, I, I think they should take even longer before they start to pivot to other stuff. Uh, Kathy Hochul seems to disagree with me. Uh, Kathy Hochul spoke yesterday in New York and immediately within her comments said that she felt that it was very clear that climate change was the problem, that it was wreaking havoc. And that is, even though I believe in climate change, I'm not saying that it's not real. That's um, misunderstanding some things for something else, as any meteorologist will tell you. And it's also pivoting to a political conversation uh, in New York when you should be not doing that. I don't know a better way to say it. Here we go. Last night I had to bring in the National Guard. The conditions, the blinding snow, the zero visibility, absolute whiteouts. Uh, it may go down as one of the worst in history. People are comparing this to the dreaded blizzard of 77 where Buffalo first got its reputation for having an unprecedented amount of snow. We broke that record again a month ago. So it's very clear to me that the effects of climate change are wreaking havoc. Look, and I don't even want to have the conversation she's having in this moment. I will say, though, her referencing something going on uh, 50 years ago now and saying that it's obviously uh, proof that that things are much worse because of climate change now is, is a weird way to go about it. But this this is just uh, politics as usual. This is just the same crap uh, we see every day and all the time. I think this is part of the the gun control conversation and how that dovetails away from uh, talking about a horrific thing that happened and maybe even talking about mental health as a component to changing that and instead talking about political conversation. It's, it's, it lacks humanity uh, to say it uh, the best way that I can. All right, some other stuff that I thought that was out there uh, that might have value to talk about today. Of course, there's the conversations 
uh, if I'm sticking in the New York area for a few of these stories, about the politician, George Santos, who just made up a bunch of stuff. He just lied about a lot of things, lied about where he went to college, uh, that he went at all and got a, a degree. Uh, he lied about uh, the places he worked or the companies he worked with. He's tried to correct some of that stuff while also saying he's definitely not stepping down. Uh, actually, I think it was yesterday that he said, my sins here are embellishing my resume, and I'm sorry. And by embellishing, he means completely claiming to have graduated college when he didn't. Uh, as I said, working with uh, giant companies like Goldman Sachs when he didn't. And then also, and this is an odd one, uh, claiming to be Jewish uh, when there might be some discrepancies there as to whether or not his family is, in fact, uh, Jewish. His grandparents are Jewish. And here's what I think is really odd about that last one is that in interviews, he called himself Jew-ish, and he would pause to say that his fan, I'll play some of the audio so you know it's not me. I don't want anyone to accuse me of creating something here. Um, so he was he was referencing that he's not necessarily entire, I don't know what he's he's claiming. But so now a whole lot of people are making fun of him uh, and using that same phrase as uh, a way to describe what he in fact is apparently not at all. But here he is in one of his interviews laughing about it and talking about how he is is sort of Jewish, I guess, is what he's trying to say. So, as I've said many times, and I think you've heard me say this, I always joke, I'm Catholic, but I'm also Jew-ish, as in ish. Uh, and I've made that joke because growing up, I grew up fully aware that my grandparents were Jewish, came from, from a Jewish family, and they were refugees to Brazil. And that was always a story I grew up with, and I've always known it very well. That's the story that might not be true, by the way. That's the story that he's grown up with that he knows very well. I wonder if any of this is a lot of people lying to him and him just uh, taking it and running with it. But uh, I don't think you told him he grad graduated college and he got confused and then thought he did. Uh, it's, it's a heck of a thing. And the fact that beyond all this, uh, the acknowledgement that he did make up a lot of stuff, uh, but he says he's still going to be an effective uh, politician. He's going to serve his two years. He's uh, focused on doing good for Long Island. Uh, so many things to me are so confusing about it. Uh, probably the the other thing that might not be getting talked about a lot but has value is, is who do you run against? Uh, what politicians failed to get this background check information out during a campaign, uh, failed to attack him for it and make him respond to it and lose at that point? Because this should be the basic stuff in the world of of researching your opponent and finding uh, dirt, uh, which I think government uh, running for a political office is so great at doing, and then throwing the dirt out there into the world to let everybody else know about it. Uh, we do deep dives every day all over the country uh, to find out the the sorted uh, potential uh, things going on in people's everyday lives, their their personal lives. And somebody who ran against this guy missed the fact that he didn't graduate school he didn't work at the places he claimed to work at, and he isn't Jewish and claims to be, or at least that's what the uh, latest amount of data seems to tell us. That person failed, and I don't know off the top of my head who ran against uh, George Santos, but whoever it is and whatever it was, even a primary, uh, needs to fire everyone involved in their campaign if they ever intend to run for any kind of office again. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. This is the Chad Benson Show. Running with scissors sounds great compared to this. Say woo! 
This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm going to give you something that would probably cause a fight if you bring this up. But hey, if you want to have a fight this holiday season, here's the scientific study to reference. That could be a segment. Uh, Here's the scientific study that you can point to uh, to get people to yell at you. Well, specifically, I guess, a loved one in your life. Uh, University of Cambridge did some research about why men are less likely to do chores than women in the household. They wanted to know if there was a scientific reason behind it. Uh, They even had some philosophers weigh in on what this actually means uh, and whether or not the disparity itself is, quote, invisible to men. And so first the question, and this was proven, I guess, in in the world of science, uh, this one not necessary, no one had to study it, that men do in fact do less work than women do uh, on the average. Uh, If you're talking to a couple, the odds of the woman in the relationship uh, doing more of the household chores is high, according to this study and science in general and anyone you talk to anywhere in the world. Uh, But the reason why for it is the part that I, I thought had value Uh, Apparently, there might be some, quote, traditional gender roles and other various economic factors at play uh, that have created a scientifically demonstrable thing in men uh, that make us less aware of the necessity to do some chores as as quickly as maybe uh, women are are, uh, noticing this. And don't don't shoot the messenger. This is not me saying it. It is science saying it. So don't get mad at me. This is why I said at the top of this that this will cause a fight uh, this holiday season if you bring it up. And then second, also, it is invisible, apparently, to more men than women, according to science, that women are, in fact, doing the extra work. So if you even ask a man, and a man says, no, I think we pretty much split that stuff evenly, if that guy is wrong, and if you yell at him for being wrong, there's a chance he could point to this one study and be like, look, this isn't me, honey, this is just, you know, the the environment I'm raised in, the world I live in. Uh, affordance perception is one of the key issues, I guess, that is causing a problem here. And again, I'm not saying I totally agree with it. I know a lot of studies come out and then somebody else disproves it somewhat recently. Uh, I was asked, was this, was this study conducted by dudes? And I only see two people quoted and they both happen to be guys. So I don't know if a group of female scientists will do their own study and disprove all of this. But just in general, I thought it was interesting. And I, I had a little fun with it myself in thinking about if I mention it to, to my wife. And then I decided that I like being married. I've been married for 10 years and I'd like to stay married. So it's just here between you and I on the radio. That's all that's going to happen. Uh, another story I saw out there that I liked a lot, uh, but I liked it mostly because it's a good demonstration of how people just can't talk anymore in society. Uh, so this guy went viral. He, I guess, is a server at some restaurant uh, somewhere in the country. His name's Dean. Um, he told the story about how on Christmas Eve, he had a, a group of people come in, uh, order their food like normal. And then for whatever reason, maybe because Dean is probably not great at his job, he totally forgot about all of it. He didn't put in any of their food orders, just forgot everything. So when the table eventually reminded him after waiting a while that they were waiting on food that he realized he never put in at all, Dean came up with a lie. And his lie was pretty significant. Uh, He told the table that their food was coming out, that a waitress was carrying it on a tray. She fell down a flight of stairs and was injured and being rushed to the hospital. That's what Dean did. As I didn't do anything wrong, I'm so sorry there's been a delay. Uh, Please forgive us, the team. Uh, Not any version of, oh my God, I can't believe I screwed this up. You're all going to hate me now. Uh, So I guess when the uh, group that was there left the restaurant, they tipped Dean 500 bucks and wrote on the tip that they wanted the money to help the the woman who fell. Uh, And they were very nice and very polite the whole time. 
And so he didn't tell anyone about it uh, at work. He just went on his social media page and told the internet about it and asked what he should do. Should he keep the 500 bucks? Uh, should he gift it to someone else? I, I mean, there's a hilarious component to this in the fact that Dean is also really bad at lying. Uh, I think most people who work in that industry might have told a white lie in that moment, but would not have invented a coworker who's being rushed to the hospital, having tragically fallen down with all of this table's food. I mean, the, the luck of that was was horrible. Um, but beyond that, just the idea that you could never fess up to it, you could never bring it up to anyone, but you can easily share it via the internet and have it go viral is hilarious to me. Uh, the fact that uh, Dean couldn't live in a moment where he had to have someone look at his face and tell him he's... he's not cool or whatever they would say however mad they would get they would have been different than that but he can hear a whole bunch of people on social media tell him that he's a terrible person uh people who don't care at all um uh, yeah it's just something that's interesting to me my answer by the way is that he should let the people know that he lied and give them back their money it would be nice to gift it forward that's a cool move donate it to charity do whatever you want but I think it is important, uh, you know, the truth sets you free to go. And I want that to be on the internet too then, man. If you put the first video up and you told us about the mistake, I want the follow-up conversation where you get on the phone at least and tell the people there is nobody uh, that did that. I want that on the internet too because they'll overshare some stuff. Let's overshare everything. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. This is the Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, there's good news. I guess you could question some of it. Uh, Vladimir Putin is saying that he would like to have peace talks with Ukraine. He'd like to have those conversations. Uh, but he points to the West as the place that needs to approve those or set up those or, or force those. And I do think there's aspects. I'm not trying to prop up the things Putin says. Uh, but there's aspects of that that are true. The United States is definitely funding a lot of this war so the united states and this is a criticism i had even last week talking about this uh, needs to find a way to communicate certain messages to uh the hero that is uh, vladimir Zelensky and the way that they uh, greeted him in congress and the parts of this that they don't agree with him on that they would like to see the conflict end uh without ukraine taking all of the territory and all of the things that they've been saying they want that the only way they see it coming to an end Essentially, you gotta you got to be the person in the room who's willing to actually have a conversation that's not uh, just glowing and praise, but tough, difficult, uh, where leaders emerge. Uh, where is our president, uh, by the way, at a time like that, a time where he's probably necessary for that and a, a myriad of other things? And I know that every side does this. When someone goes on vacation on the left or on the right, uh, it's the other side's job to go ahead and attack it and reference how, how dumb it is to be on vacation right now or any of that sort of thing. But it is weird, as I say that, as I, I go ahead and couch my take in the idea that this is fairly common, 
uh, with stuff going on the way it's happening and with Zelensky's visit here just recently and the uh, desire, if you believe it at all, which a lot of people say don't believe anything uh, Putin ever says, uh, it's one of many things that you would want the president to be working on uh, into the new year. Instead, you saw it there. The president has a lot on his plate. And for the next few days, he's going to be dealing with all of it from afar because the first family stayed here at the White House for Christmas, but plans tomorrow to fly to vacation for the rest of this year and the beginning of next year in St. Croix. Well, isn't that nice? I was going to go for a few days or a couple weeks to St. Croix. I deal with, you know, just taking the pressure off of all that. Although, actually, I would say this, too, uh, for anyone that's a critic of our current president, which is a whole lot of people. A lot of people believe he's not in charge anyway, so maybe it's better to have him out of the White House while they make decisions. That's not something I'm happy to say. It's just something that a lot of people will probably say as well. I want to play this audio. I'm going to dive into some uh, conversations about race. I'm a 30-something-year-old white dude. Uh, so I know that society has told me I need to be afraid uh, when ha- uh, talking about these things. And I, I genuinely sometimes am actually worried. But darn it, I'm going to do it. We're going to try. Uh, the first one is the vice president. Uh, she put out a message in which she said uh, how important Kwanzaa is to her, uh, that she celebrated it growing up a certain way. I will play that audio. And then I do not know whether or not what she's saying is is true or false. Uh, you want to assume it's all true. But I do know some people have already put out some things about the history of Kwanzaa, about when it was created, uh, who invented it, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the timelines become odd. Let's just say it that way. But here we go. Here is the message first from the vice president over this holiday. Hello, everyone, and happy Kwanzaa. Doug and I sent our warmest wishes to all of you this holiday season. During Kwanzaa, we celebrate the history and heritage of the African-American community and the African diaspora. Growing up, Kwanzaa was always a special time. We came together with generations of friends and family and neighbors. There were never enough chairs, so my sister and I and the other children would often sit on the floor, and together we lit the candles of the Kanara, and then the elders would talk about how Kwanzaa is a time to celebrate culture, community, and family. Now, that's a very moving, nice thing. And I would not even care to go after it, no matter who said it, Republican or Democrat, um, more often than not, I think in all cases. However, it's been brought up uh, that Kamala Harris was born in 1964, that Kwanzaa wasn't invented at all, uh, did not exist until 1966. And then even uh, when it was first created, it was not exactly a popular thing that a whole lot of people knew about or celebrated until the mid-90s. Uh, where the president would not be a kid sitting on the floor because they're not, or excuse me, the vice president, although maybe I said it right a second ago, the vice president would not be a child sitting on the floor because there aren't enough chairs in the home. Uh, So is this an odd thing? Sure. Is it potentially true? Absolutely. I'm not going to say that I know definitively that this is a lie when it might have been uh, her family was on the forefront of of following uh, certain traditions that were being created and first gaining popularity over about a 30-year process But is it potentially a lie and just a weird lie? Absolutely. So I see what the people are saying uh, that are critical of this because of the timelines not matching up. And the only way that it's definitely not true, and I'm not saying I know this, I want to be safe, I want to be careful because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anyone to get in trouble. Uh, But it would be when politicians, and it might be well beyond this politician and this issue, but politicians in general in a variety of issues 
just want to be a part of a thing that they might not actually care about as a person, so they pretend it's deeply important to them, this might be something happening in one of those situations. So inauthentic and just annoying. All right. The other thing I want to talk about in the world of race, because I'm, I'm still uh, doing this as a 30-something-year-old white dude. I'm still trying, still going places. Uh, but a lot of people seem to absolutely believe uh, what I'm about to say, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I won't get attacked by anyone for this take. The fact that Whoopi Goldberg gave an interview over the holiday and still tried to defend and or give more context to the things she said about the Holocaust is awful. It's awful. It's it's not surprising. And I think it's not surprising because of the way that celebrities are treated in our society. I don't think there's anything to do with the fact that she's a, a black woman, um, although she is definitely talking about this issue uh, when she first talked about it and got suspended from The View, which says something. I feel like it's hard to get suspended from that show. Uh, but when she first said that the Holocaust was, quote, not about race, and I can play the audio. I, I don't even want to. Uh, and the reason she said that is as a, a uh, black woman, and this is something she said before, uh, her race is something you see. You walk around, uh, you see someone who's white, you see someone who's black. So to her, there, there at least initially, wasn't a fight about race. It was white on white violence. Those are Whoopi Goldberg's words, not mine. I don't want any credit for those whatsoever. So it was horrific. It was awful. And then she got suspended. Then she went on Colbert, kind of tried to apologize, but really didn't kept trying to contextualize it. And now she said this to the Times of London. Remember who they were killing first. They were, kill they were not killing racial. They were killing physical. They were killing people they, they considered to be mentally defective. And then they made this decision. That is uh, Whoopi talking about her original point. It doesn't change the fact that you couldn't tell a Jewish person on the street from someone else. I'm, I'm adding a little because I don't want to say it the way she did. Uh, you could find me. You couldn't find them. That's her point. That was the point I was making. So Whoopi Goldberg is woefully ignorant in the world of history, in the world of a lot of different things talked about and discussed, and certainly the atrocities that happened during the Holocaust. But what is important to me as well is that Whoopi Goldberg is still not really remorseful or willing to listen and open her mind at all to the things that she's been told over the course of this year that are why those uh, sentiments, why those beliefs, why those thoughts are, are so hurtful, so offensive, so whatever they are. Uh, beyond that, she even said, the Jewish people around the world always had my support and that will never raver. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused. Uh, that was in a, a, a brief um, uh, moment. And I actually think that might have been what she said back in February uh, as part of the reaction to the initial uproar from the comments themselves. But it's, it's just surreal to me, right? Because what it actually says to me about our society and I definitely mean this about um, celebrities first and foremost. Now, I'm not talking about the race of a celebrity. I'm talking about anyone who is, in fact, a celebrity, is that you have uh, this, this cone. And I think we've talked about it for a long time in the world of celebrity. Uh, these uh, sycophants, whatever you want to call them, these people who uh, understand the power you have now as someone who's uh, financially well off or, or popular in society, has a following of your own, and they want to be around you, they want to be your friend, so they don't really challenge you. They don't really disagree with you. They pretty much just prop up whatever the things you're saying or doing are because they don't want to make you mad. They don't want to go through a, a time when they're fighting with you and not connected to someone who's important. What I actually think, um, if we take this as a macro issue and think about it more, uh, is even, even more interesting or concerning, I guess, is that I think that's happening in society. I think that our society as a whole is starting to get these tunnel vision ways of experiencing life. The, you know, the internet is built to do a certain thing when I tell it what I like. It's 
going to go ahead and give me more of what I like, what I think, what I believe. It's going to prop up those things that might be a problem for you. It can radicalize people, all different kinds of things in the world of our internet, in the world of our experience in social media or wherever it might be. So, so to think about that in the context of this, the, the tried and true version of a celebrity really not learning from their mistakes, really not probably having one in, anyone in their life that sits them down and talks to them in a valuable way about a valuable thing uh, might be happening more and more uh, other places in society. And I think this is the reason that we have such a, a problem now with having basic conversation. Even in this interview, it sounds like they might not have challenged Whoopi Goldberg as much as they probably, whoever the the interviewer was, uh, wishes they had. Uh, just letting uh, this celebrity say certain things about um, reframing a conversation that doesn't need any reframing, doesn't need any repositioning. Uh, it's just sort of the way we all live now in society. We, we don't challenge each other uh, because we all know that the uh, block button seems to be something that works in real life, too. Uh, but anyway, uh, just again, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Uh, I guess I'm not as shocked as I, I probably sh- uh, uh, should be or could be about all this uh, because of the fact that it's, it seems to me that what's playing out, we've seen time and again uh, at other times with other famous people. Um, but I, I, I'm amazed this story won't go away. I guess there's that too. But it's Whoopi Goldberg's fault to keep having that conversation. All right. I do want to take a break. After the ba- uh, break, I do want to talk about something that's not that stuff. Uh, I do want to talk about this Nepo baby thing that's out there, uh, which apparently is celebrities being accused of nepotism uh, because their children wind up being famous, or at least social media influencers. Uh, the term that's being used on social media to talk about that is is Nepo baby or nepotism baby. Uh, we have that and hopefully something more fun as we're still in the holiday season. Coming up next, Craig Collins filling in. This is the Chad Benson Show. No need to socially distance while listening to your Chad Benson Show podcast. Four out of five experts say so. I'm a scientist. There is no corona. But hurry before they change their mind. You know they will. Chad's podcast found on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite COVID-free podcasts. Oh my gosh. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. This is the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. I am thrilled to find out during that last break uh, that producer Phil and I at some point, hopefully on the radio, will have to have a best dad joke off. Uh, That's not something I'll explain to anyone now, but that's something to think about, and especially for Phil the Noodle, to see if it happens later on in the show. Uh, Other stuff I have out there in the world, other things I think are interesting. Uh, There's this uh, big conversation right now about a term that I guess social media invented recently uh, called Nepo Baby, Nepotism Baby. Uh, What that means, and I guess this is mostly for people in the world of Hollywood entertainment and whatnot, is that a celebrity's kid winds up getting famous or get a chance, uh, get to become an actress or whatever in their own right, and that that's unfair. That's a crap thing that happens in our society. Uh, Here's the truth about it, is that nepotism does exist everywhere in society. Families do leave companies they build to their uh, family members. Uh, That's something that happens. That's something that's not a big deal. Uh, But here's what I actually really love about the world, the Hollywood version of this conversation. The Hollywood elite seem to be getting very mad. They seem to be very upset with this and the conversation about it because it's not untrue. The the thing is, some of these individuals who wind up being famous probably are famous because they're getting a shot 
uh, because of who their parents are. Uh, one of the people who came out very much saying that this is crap or they don't care, or they, they think it's just a shady term, Kate Hudson, uh, who, if you know, is the daughter of Goldie Hawn and stepdad uh, is in quotes in this coverage of it, Kurt Russell, so famous person from famous people. Uh, also on this list, someone else that really pushed back against this is Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, who said that it's actually just trying to essentially, I'm paraphrasing her comments, uh, tear people down to to make people feel bad or insinuate that people don't have talent uh, that came from families where talent obviously existed uh, in, in someone else. Uh, she is the daughter of uh, Janet Lee and uh, actor uh, Tony Curtis. So she is actually, in fact, a product of fame as, as well. Uh, but I just love the fact that there's so much entitlement and so much anger here that people can't just accept this criticism as, as valid and then move on because it is something that happens a whole lot of places in our society. Uh, there are people who take over for their family and do well with things and there are people who do not do well with things i got a buddy of mine in radio who says third generation is where stuff usually goes off a cliff if it's gonna uh two generations from the guy who who built whatever it is or girl who built whatever it is they have now uh wind up feeling like maybe it's not something that they care about as much this is a take from another person this is not my take uh so the odds are if someone's if someone's going to mismanage or or crash a ship. It's going to happen uh, two flights down the stairs, I guess, in the world of, of how nepotism will work in a lot of places. But, well, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure that conversation will come up again. I'm just so entertained that they're so mad, uh, it seems. A lot of the people in Hollywood are mad about this because it's definitely true. It's definitely real. And it's definitely, I guess, not a big deal, at least to me. All right. One other thing I think is interesting that I saw out there, uh, and then we'll probably take a break here in a little bit, uh, but I do love this. So a guy went viral on the internet, and people love to share what they're doing online to the rest of the world. Uh, he went viral because he said over the holiday he got very drunk. Uh, I think he might have been spending time on his own at some point during this process. And he bought what he called was the world's worst pizza. Uh, he asked the place that he bought it from, the restaurant. I think this actually happened in the UK, which is probably why some of these items were even available at the restaurant itself. Uh, it had uh, pineapple, ham, Brussels sprouts, gravy, applesauce, and a bunch of other things on it. Uh, he put a photo up of it. He said he consumed very little of it, and he was sorry to the world. And he deserves to be sorry to the world. Uh, most people who responded to this called it an abomination. Uh, they were surprised, one person, that it hasn't grown legs and walked away because it, it definitely sounds like a monster. Uh, but I love the idea that somebody got that's so hammered, uh, and I don't know if it's because uh, they called the restaurant or they just went to the Internet and clicked stuff, that they ordered just like random things and then they created uh, an abomination. It definitely is that. As again, uh, Brussels sprouts, gravy, and applesauce are not toppings or words, I should say, when discussing a cheese pizza as, as well. I don't know if any of those are even remotely popular uh, anywhere in the world or in the UK. Uh, and again, a lot of what I saw as far as reaction here in the United States goes is why did the pizza place even have these items to begin with, uh, which makes sense. Um, but again, uh, the guy is owning his mistake. He's apologizing to all. He's hoping for forgiveness this holiday season. And I, I wish him luck because I'm not there yet. I'm not even close to there yet in the world of deciding that this is over. All right. I want to tease a, a topic that's coming up a little later on in the show. Uh, I don't think it's coming up um, in the next segment, but I promise I'm going to do this at some point. You got to keep listening for it. I love the end of year lists that are out there in the world. Um, they're all different kinds of ones. What were the most popular movies on Netflix? What did everybody Google search? What were the terms that were important this year? And I have a unique one. I have one, a, a full list of the things that people went to the ER that got stuck in their body. And I'm not going to say exactly where, 
uh, all these things got stuck. There are several options as to where uh, something could go. Uh, ear, uh, uh, I guess, uh, throat, uh, all these other things, nose are out there. Uh, you might assume that a lot of the items that made this valuable list that comes out every single year uh, might have gone certain places. Um, but again, uh, that's just something coming up at some point in this show. I'm going to roll the dice on that. Not now, but eventually. And I just wanted to prepare you in advance because the list is shocking. All right, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. This is the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in thrilled to be with you lots of stuff going on even over the holiday i hope everyone stayed safe i know there was a a big storm that swept through parts of this country uh so hopefully everyone celebrated the holiday with loved ones and did it safely um i saw that there was a a big kind of thing all over social media uh, maybe in the last 24 hours or so about whether or not Mike Pence was officially running for president. Um, there was even FEC paperwork that was circulating saying that Mike Pence had filed and that he was officially running for the office. Uh, his team has said no. He has said no. Uh, in the filing, I guess uh, the name Mike was used instead of his actual first name, Michael. So that's a little odd. Uh, someone thinks that it might have been just a, a prank file, uh, of some kind filed on his behalf uh, out of Indiana. Uh, but anyway, the fact that they all had to go and say, nope, it's not a thing, it's not real, not running, and then actually a bunch of maybe even media and and reporter people uh, actually were duped by it and ran with it, uh, says something about the way that the internet and all that reporting stuff works now. And certainly we'll get more into Twitter files a little bit later on in the show uh, because there's some latest and greatest in the world of some of the sharing, some of the stuff going on there. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, there was a guest that popped up on Fox News over the weekend uh, the guest was from the Washington Examiner, Sarah Westwood. Uh, she was talking about the reason that she believes uh, that people answered a couple recent Fox News polls the way they did. Uh, the first one being that, do you want Biden to run again in 2024? 64% of people said no, 33% yet said yes. That is a Fox News poll. I do wonder if people who said yes and actually do support conservatives, which I'd assume there'd be some there, might want Biden to run because they think he's beatable. 33% of people uh, who said yes, I wonder what collection of those are people that actually want to vote for that guy. Because I can't imagine a lot of people want to vote our current president back into office, even on the Democratic side of the aisle. But running against someone who's weak is something that, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of politicians want to do all the time. And even Democrats propped up throughout the midterm elections, uh, people they thought they could beat by calling them far right radicals. And then you saw it happen in places like New York or even in Illinois, where some of those candidates did better than expected uh, with the American people or with people in those uh, blue states. 
Uh, I thought this was interesting, too, though. The are you glad Trump is running again in 2024 question got a 58 percent no, 39 percent yes from Fox News and their their poll. And this is what Sarah Westwood, again, of the uh, Washington Examiner, had to say about a part of that, a belief as to why that would occur. Broadly speaking, throughout the country, you know, DeSantis has shown a way to sort of wage those culture war fights in education, you know, on immigration, on a lot of these issues that Republicans really care about in a way that is still not nearly as divisive as Donald Trump. He was able to to have hundreds of thousands of Democrats who did not support him the first time around come around to his side with his landslide election in 2022. So is it the the most fashionable thing to do in the world of politics right now to talk about who should be running, certainly on the Republican side of the aisle in 2024, DeSantis or Trump? Yeah. Is this necessary conversation? Probably not. And I actually say very often, and I think I've even said it here, uh, that the fact that Trump can dominate conversation can be a, a talking point for both the right and the left as quickly as he can pretty much all the time, even now, even with um, at times it seems like mainstream media definitely trying to to silence their obsessive, obsessive coverage of him. Uh, the fact that he's still a conversation everywhere makes me think he, he could win. He could still run and be successful. Uh, but the desire for DeSantis and what is being said here in this piece is especially interesting to me because of the second half of it because of the idea that it was uh, American people, or at least people in Florida, uh, Democrats, independents, who decided to support DeSantis, who could see through maybe what I assume is a, a amount of attacks in Florida uh, about how far to the right he, in fact, is. Because that is a narrative that's, that's under the surface, uh, that's being pushed up at times. I've heard it on The View before. I've heard it a bunch of places. As far as what I, I imagine would be the way the machine would attack uh, Ron DeSantis if he did run for the presidency, I think that that first half of the take that he is um, less, uh, I don't know, controversial in the way in which he speaks, the way in which he goes about certain things. I think media would try to find a way to make sure that DeSantis is as controversial as possible if and when he decides to actually announce that he's running uh, for that office. But handling that, uh, working a certain way within that assumption or that that representation and how unfair it can be, even to Trump. There's even things that are said about Trump that are still untrue. Uh, one of my favorite ones, and I feel like I referenced this recently on the show, is the fact that people still believe that phone records are missing from January 6th um, from the Trump uh, administration, from the team, and they're not. Uh, the phone records that were reported and talked about and confusing and how do they go somewhere are actually all accounted for. There was a whisper or, or a hush-hush version of an update on that that came out much later uh, but the fact that people still believe that or still believe other things uh, makes you know that there's a media version of a narrative and then a truthful thing. There, there's definitely stuff that the former president said that is stuff I don't see Ron DeSantis uh, or anyone other than maybe Trump ever really saying the way that he says it. So I do think all that's interesting. I think the um, obsession or the continued conversation about that is valuable. Uh, but I do wonder when and if we get there where we see the other person running if we're just getting more of the same. Uh, one other thing I, I saw out in the world, and I thought it had uh, unique value, uh, was a conversation between Mark Cuban and Bill Maher. Uh, they were doing these sort of more casual, podcasty. I don't know what they're even uh, called things uh, that Maher has been doing after having a guest on his show. Um, during the conversation, Mark Cuban said how he likes to visit San Francisco, but he would never want to live there. Uh, here's part of why he said that in just a second. And then actually after that, he went further about some of his problems with Silicon Valley, with uh, the elite version of people that he experiences 
in uh, specifically San Francisco, but I think in a lot of California, uh, at least according to Mark Cuban. And why I thought this was so interesting uh, is as a guy from Texas, a guy who obviously is very happy about uh, the the um, taxes and all the things going on there, uh, to decide to to break bad the way he does against at least the people he rolls with, the circles he's in, uh, when he's visiting parts of California. And then, of course, a criticism about San Francisco, no one's going to be surprised about uh, being in here as well, uh, is an interesting sentiment for a variety of reasons. Here we go. Here's uh, the audio first, though. Yeah, they do go a little bit overboard. I could not live here as a permanent residence just because the taxes right? and the regulation. Yeah, I love coming out here, but I'm a visitor. And those are the reasons, taxes and regulation. That's a big part of it, yeah. Right. Just because, I mean, look what, what's happened in San Francisco. I mean, an entire industry is getting pushed out. You know, the whole technology industry went from, well, okay, this is this is growth, this is, you know, the new thing, and now, you know, it's just about people on the street. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was that took a turn there. Uh, Mar actually went on to say that the people who have to clean up that stuff, that industry is a boon industry. That's a growing industry in San Francisco right now, so that's doing great. Uh, but um, Mark's sentiment about how, some of the policies are pushing out business uh, to me is is interesting. It's valuable. Uh, but he also went on again to say, and several times called Silicon Valley specifically, uh, pompous, uh, arrogant, that he winds up in a room a lot with a guy that thinks uh, very highly of himself. Here's exactly how he said it. Being in the tech industry, right. everybody right. is the smartest m- in the world right. if you live in Silicon Valley. Every single person, every room you're in, every conversation you have, every, every moment is, no, 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 man, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the guy that's starting this up. I'm the guy that's pushing this a certain way. So I think I think it's interesting. And of course, uh, you shouldn't. Um, uh, I'll just put this out there. This might be the millennial in me coming out. I'll lump everybody in the same category. So when he craps on all the California, he's obviously wrong about that. I would not say that. I'm not trying to say that. I think that's ridiculous in a sense to say it that way. Uh, but in talking about his unique experiences and the the groups he rolls in, the places he is, and then also the the problem in the streets of San Francisco every single day and a lot of other places throughout our country, uh, you wonder if that's a winning argument. And I, I did this on purpose. I played these pieces together. I wanted to talk about them uh, collectively. That helps a Ron DeSantis take the White House and helps a Ron DeSantis get Democratic votes, get independent votes in a lot of places where you wouldn't expect them. I'm not saying he's going to flip California. I don't think that's happening. Uh, but I do think the sentiment and the way in which maybe even, say, reactions to the pandemic are now being better understood. The data is coming out supporting decisions made in a, in a Florida and not decisions made in parts of the country uh, like a California uh, things like not shutting down the schools, things like not forcing masks on children, whatever it might be, there's valuable data supporting some of those those ideas, and they might permeate uh, a lot more of our society, but Trump's not going to be the guy that delivers that message effectively. Uh, the opinion on Trump, the consensus belief on who he is, what he stands for, for those who hate him, that is, that's ingrained. That's, that's never going away. Uh, DeSantis would have an opportunity uh, to have a moment where he's talking to people all across the country uh, in places uh, like San Francisco, uh, like New York, wherever it might be, uh, that are saying certain things. And as they're turning on the television and watching, they're like, wait a minute, this guy's saying the thing I think. He's saying the thing I'm saying, and I'm here and he's there, and I thought I was uh, voting on this side, and now I kind of want to vote on that side. That's the opportunity. And I think that's the reason for the obsession with it and some of the answers to these questions and all the other stuff uh, as far as politics in 2024 goes is that uh, Trump has no opportunity to shape himself as anything other than what he currently is. Uh, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. 
Welcome to the Chad Autonomous Zone. Woo! Bipolar. There's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. No. Bipartisan. Don't abandon. Don't censor. Engage. Yes. The Chad Benson Show, where free speech and uncensored thought run wild. That's crazy. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. I do want to take issue with a story that's all over the place uh, because of the way in which it's getting reported or it was getting reported, uh, say, over the weekend and even on Monday. Uh, The three busloads of migrants who were dropped off outside the vice president's home. Uh, That's the way the narrative exists. That's the way that you hear it. Uh, The temperature at the time that they were dropped off outside her home in Washington, D.C., which is also just a, a, I assume, uh, a place that you might use as a destination in general, uh, the naval uh, base itself, and not actually talk about just uh, the vice president's home. I don't even know if that's how you'd refer to it. Uh, Most people, uh, even especially people in D.C., um, but anyway, so three busloads of migrants from Texas were dropped off there. Uh, it was like 18 degrees uh, at night when that happened, or maybe even 15, uh, some of the reporting on it. Uh, and so this became a story. Uh, granted, uh, Texas and Abbott haven't actually said that it was them uh, who sent the individuals where they sent them. But there's a lot of aspects to this. There's a lot of pieces that, that matter, I think, that add context to the way in which it's talked about. So the first one, the most important one, is none of these individuals were just left on the street and a bus just drove away, uh, as reported in in T-shirts and shorts and whatnot, uh, to freeze to death. That's not something that happened. In fact, actually, there was another running bus waiting for them, uh, exchanging the people from one bus to another one, and they were being given blankets uh, by what I think is probably nonprofit organizations um, as they were getting off the first bus and onto the second one, and then they were transported to hospital or excuse me, uh, churches and and places that had warming uh, stations, whatever it might be. Uh, They were transported indoors. So they weren't left outside on the side of the road, outside of the vice president's home. But that's what you're supposed to think. That's what you're supposed to envision or believe occurred in the world of this craziness with the border. And El Paso is overrun as much as it is with with people that they're sleeping on the street. Uh, It's 20 degree, 30 degree nights there as well. So it's not exactly like it's incredibly better conditions. Um, Of course, though, with the blizzard and everything going on over the, the uh, excuse me, the holiday and the weekend, Something I thought was very interesting about this that also isn't widely known is these buses were intended for New York City. They were not going to Washington, D.C., but they were rerouted to D.C. And whatever, again, maybe it's a nonprofit organization, had communicated with uh, whoever it is that was to receive them in New York was capable of communicating when the buses get rerouted to talk to the people in D.C. that they're greeted when they get there. So I I don't know why uh, the story, I think I know why, the story gets reported a, a certain way to a lot of people who then just envision the worst, most horrible situation possible. And then the reality of what actually occurred uh, and even the videos that show them, uh, the migrants getting from one bus to another one uh, is utterly different and not widely known. Uh, beyond that, I will just say this about the, the border, about the conversation about everything, is that uh, human beings will always want to help other humans. So it's not wrong when people are here, when they're on the other side of the border and, uh, you know, in certain situations for people to want to help them in the things that we're doing. And so I'm, I'm happy that 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 occurs. However, uh, the fact that the omnibus, omnibus bill is going to fund um, helping a lot of uh, people that cross the border illegally into our country, uh, that will only send the message that more and more people should be crossing. So you actually need to spend money, I'm, I'm broken record when I say this, on a deterrent, on something that prevents people 
from thinking they'll successfully get into our country to not allow the, conti- the, the situation to just continue to get worse and worse and worse and grow more and more and more, which is all Biden has done the entire time in office. And then instead, uh, whether it's legacy media, whatever it might be, is trying to take shots at how horrible we're treating people or how horrible uh, conservative politicians may be treating people um, and how terrible that is instead of having any sort of conversation about fixing a problem itself. Uh, One other story I wanted to touch on, and I probably don't have a lot of time to do it here, uh, so I guess it'll just be kind of uh, a brief conversation. I saw this study out of the University of Nebraska about how one in three women in a recent um, survey said that they felt pressure to send uh, sexual photos uh, to a significant other in a relationship, and the age of some of these people was uh, teens. And so what I thought was interesting about that is I had a conversation with a family member uh, who happens to be a high school-aged uh, girl, uh, and that person was telling me about how rampant some of this stuff is in their school and how a couple kids uh, were dealing with having those photos then shared at the school, which is obviously illegal in and of itself, and there's a bunch of other things there. Uh, but it just made me take pause for a second and take a step back. I, I have no kids of my own, so I'm not dealing with this on a firsthand basis. And to most parents listening to this show, I probably sound like a guy that's woefully ignorant of how big of a deal, how horrible of a problem this is. But it just made me realize how important it is um, to know what's going on on the devices of your kids, to know what's going on, how they use technology, because of how different the world is now. I'm a millennial. I'm in my 30s, even when I was in school. Uh, This was not the kind of thing that we even had cell phones, everyone in the school capable of doing all this kind of stuff and and having it be this big uh, demand of everyone. And of course, there's so many other things going on. Uh, But the fact that there's technology and now these digital uh, things occurring that will haunt uh, certain kids at at fragile ages is just scary to me. And the fact that it says one in three uh, people are are doing this or, or just feel that it's the uh, oblig- uh, obligatory part of a typical romantic relationship in today's society he tells me there's a whole lot of reasons to turn down your f- to turn off your phone or to put down your phone. Not just that TikTok and the Chinese government is spying on the stuff you're putting on it, but that we are way too connected in this society, and certainly our children are to to the device and the technology. And it would be valuable if I'm sounding like a guy on the top of a hill ranting now, be valuable to find a way for us to get further away from it as a group, as a collective. All right. Quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson show. Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff, as always, to talk about. Uh, Chad is back after the holiday. One of the hardest working and most talented people I know in all radio deserved uh, to have some time off. He will be back just after the holiday. Uh, I saw that the Southwest airline fiasco just continues to get worse and worse and worse. Over 80% of flights are either scrapped or late uh, right now throughout the entire uh, United States. Um, 
a myriad of reasons why. It's not just the fact that there's been terrible weather and that flights are getting canceled from all kinds of airlines. There's also been a lot of technology problems uh, as far as the ticketing system goes or even telling people via, say, those communication tools like signing up for um, texts or whatnot. All those things are, are broken. So people are showing up at the airport who signed up for a text message to be told that their flight was canceled or delayed, that are then getting in line at Southwest Airlines places throughout the country, waiting for a long time, only to be told their flight uh, is canceled or delayed. And then being like, why didn't you text me? Come on. this is I signed up for this. I begged for this. But there's so many issues, uh, so many places, and people uh, all throughout the country. Like almost 3,000 flights on Monday alone were totally canceled. Uh, and Southwest Airlines continues to have uh, issues. So that's definitely a thing going on. Uh, just quickly, I do find aspects of this story uh, more and more interesting uh, the more times I, I dive into it. But the politician out of New York, out of Long Island, uh, George Santos, who has been caught because of a New York Times editorial lying about a lot of stuff. Uh, there were several things that were called into question, whether or not he had a degree uh, from a university at all. He had claimed to have one. Uh, that's definitely not true. He doesn't. Um, whether or not he actually worked at some of the places he claimed to work at, like Citigroup or Goldman Sachs. That was another big no. It's a swing and a miss as far as the things he said on the campaign trail. Even whether or not he's he's Jewish um, and a story he's told about his family is accurate is stuff that has been questioned. Uh, he himself has defended him uh, defended that problem, I guess, or that lie by saying he's always claimed to be Jewish and he pauses as he uses both half of those words, meaning only kind of sort of Jewish, um, at least according to himself. Uh, he said his family members, his grandparents were Jewish and then he was raised Catholic. That's uh, who and what he says he follows as far as faith goes. It's just it's just utterly uh, ridiculous and confusing uh, the amount of lies for this guy. And so I have a couple things. And he's a Republican, by the way, if people care about that part. Uh, the first one is, I feel like this was the inevitable um, uh, expansion of how much politicians openly lie to us currently or how many things that they're currently doing that they don't even care that we know. The omnibus spending bill is one example and the amount of people that admitted, I support this and I didn't read it and I don't really know what's in it, but I'm fine with that. This was the next step for somebody to just make up who they are. Just be like, yeah, I went to school there. Don't check on that. And actually, even more importantly, I think it says a lot about his opponent in Long Island and how failed uh, that whole team uh, was in digging up any of this dirt. I thought that was politics 101. If you, the guy claims he went to college and he didn't go there, he claims he worked at places he didn't work at, uh, claims to be Jewish and he's not, which is still, I guess, up for debate. If all that stuff is real, someone somewhere on your research team epically failed at their job during the campaign itself. Uh, as far as the representative-elect himself, he says he is going to stay in office. He's going to go ahead and swear in and, and work his two years. He's going to be an effective politician, uh, is at least what he said so far. But honestly, to me, and I'm, I'm only half kidding when I say it, that politicians lie straight to our face on both sides of the aisle every day when they look at us in the TV camera or when they ask the White House press secretary, whoever it is, to lie to us that this was just the next step. It's just like a swing for the fences version. Like, uh, do I have to tell the truth about my education, about all this stuff? Can I try lying about that? Well, man, I mean, nobody's done it and, and not gotten caught before. Now let's try it. Let's see what happens. I feel like that's the world we're in. And he might not be the only person that ever goes this road as far as just making stuff up. Like, uh, will they check just my Facebook or will they call the university? We don't know. Well, then let's try anyway. Let's see what happens. But I love the fact that his defense, too, is that I'm just embellishing. All of this is just typical stuff. And I went a little too far 
and I should have used my words better. I shouldn't have lied so much. That's part of the problem. I wish he said that. I actually wish all politicians would say that, to be honest. And I know they never will. I know this is when I get super naive and I'm whatever uh, on this show. Uh, but I wish that all politicians would just roll out there and be like, I lied a lot. I've, I'm going to lie again. I'm lying now about lying. I've probably lied more than I'm claiming to lie. I would love it because at least we would all hear the thing we all know to be true. I don't think the American people are tricked anymore about the typical lies in the world of politics. I guess a lot of people in Long Island weren't thinking that maybe a politician would lie about most of the stuff that he was saying, even just about him, uh, which to me, again, like there's actually there's a bit of joy. I'm getting and having this conversation because of how it feels like the next evolution. It's Terminator 2.0 in the world of how politics works in general. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on quickly, and then actually we'll move on to some stuff going on in the NFL and even a, a bit of a Beatles story I saw out there. Uh, but there's this popular YouTuber. His name is Patrick Shayu or, or Shu or I don't know. I don't follow him. I don't care about him. To, to me, he wasn't a person that existed until this story came out. So I apologize to his 1.5 million subscribers and fans. Um, he actually used to work at Google and Meta, uh, Facebook, uh, at some point. He was a tech lead for some of that stuff, so still don't know who he is. But anyway, just before uh, Christmas, he put up on his social media page that it was indeed highly offensive to say the term Merry Christmas, but he went a different road. Uh, some people go the road, you can't say Merry Christmas because of religion and whatnot. Uh, some people go the road that it's because we celebrate other things, even if it's not about religion specifically. And so you're being, uh, you're excluding people. A lot of people go different roads. He said the real reason it's highly offensive is that some people spend Christmas alone. Uh, they are, in fact, according to him, depressed and stressed out. And it's offensive to them to, to hear that a holiday exists at all. And I want to be very clear about something I say. I am a millennial. I, I might be overly woke and I need to stop, but I can't help myself. I like to preface certain things. Uh, mental health is real. It's important. It's valuable to have a conversation about it. it. It matters. I'm not trying to crap on the idea that people, in fact, did wind up, say, spending a holiday alone, and that might be enhancing uh, some level of, of things going on in their life. Uh, but this is a perfect demonstration of why woke won't win, why woke culture uh, won't inevitably succeed. Uh, and I think I even talked to my mother over the weekend about how the woke will go after the woke. They're all going to eventually not be living up to the ridiculous standard uh, set in society. Uh, but just the truth of it is that you can't do anything, can't set a, a rule, whether it's a, a real government rule or the expectation in society, whatever it might be, uh, based on any sort of extreme example, because I can give you an extreme example of anything and then convince you of anything, if, that, if those are the only rules, and I think anyone could do it. You dive out there, you find something, however uh, you think it works, and politicians have been doing this for much longer than the rest of us have, than social media has been around, uh, where you find the, the version of a story that appeals to someone's heart, and so you go with that, and only that, and you exclude everything else, so it's ridiculous. Uh, luckily, this YouTuber got slammed on social media for the way in which he, he gave advice the thing he said uh, a lot said that that's, that's sort of a ridiculous take. Uh, but darn it, these are the kind of things we're seeing more and more of. When Stanford says you can't say the word American anymore in the United States of America or at their university uh, because it excludes other parts of our continent, uh, we know that we are continuing to go way too far down the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole is never ending. Uh, there is no version of it's like going to a comedy club, actually. Let me go ahead and do it this way which is, I think, why comedians are so frustrated with woke culture in general. If you go into a comedy club 
and you see a range of comedians talking about all kinds of stuff, odds are some joke somewhere along the night hit a lot of different people in a negative way. Not the same comedian, same joke, but different jokes, different people, because they have some sort of personal connection or something. There's some reason for them to uniquely be upset uh, by the thing that got joked about. But you don't shut down comedy clubs. You don't say, well, no one can try to be funny anymore because uh, someone had something in their life happen uh, that they don't find this one particular joke funny. But that is the way we're behaving. That's the way that society is evolving. That's the way the internet, I blame all the time, is pushing us to evolve. Uh, and so this guy probably thought he was making a great video that was going to get a lot of clicks, a lot of likes, uh, a lot of uh, um, value to his social media presence. And in fact, finally, at least in this scenario, people said, no, 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 no. But I'm sure there's still going to be more argument or whatever about it. All right. I want to move on to this. I don't have any audio of the coverage of this, and I, I wish I did. I wish that someone had talked about it and was as confused as I was when I saw it. Uh, but Russell Wilson has had a bad season in the world of the NFL. He has not uh, had a fun time playing football, I don't think. Uh, the Rams 51-14 to 14 loss is the latest nightmare uh, to happen. But what I really thought was interesting is on the sidelines, while talking to other uh, other members of the Broncos, he was whispering into a football. And I, I don't know... I don't know what that was. I don't know. I've seen it. I'm a big baseball fan. I love the New York Yankees. I know that all the time people hold up the glove when they're talking, when the pitcher or whoever it is is having a, a conversation of any kind at the mound. You hold up the glove and you block the camera from seeing the face. Here's the thing about the world of football and the football itself. It's not really good at that. It's not a valuable product in, in blocking the things you're saying or the way you're mouthing words to other people. So it was full on hilarious. A whole lot of people uh, made jokes about it on social media. Uh, one guy said that it seemed as though Russell Wilson was, quote, LARPing and pretending to be a football player when he wasn't one. And I didn't know what that term meant. I had to look it up. But that's where you're uh, role-playing someone in real life, pretending to be a thing you're not. It, it didn't have to go that far for the joke, buddy. Uh, but there's so many other ones of people confused. Uh, maybe he's testing a new NFL microphone inside the football for a new segment of Miked Up. I'd love it if we could hear the football's experience on the field throughout a game. That'd be amazing. Just a whole bunch of uh, whooshing and wind noises and then grunting and, I guess, smush noises. I don't know. <laughs> it would be a thing. Uh, but I love the fact that he did this. I love the fact that it's viral, and I love that it's just uh, another uh, part of how people are saying uh, the year has not been the best uh, for the quarterback. And so I don't know if that means he'll continue doing it. I don't know if he felt uh, like it was working. I just, I loved uh, the fact that it was out there in the world. And I wish someone had covered it and been confused about it too. It would have made me very happy. Uh, one last quick thing, uh, just because I said I would mention it here uh, before I take the break. I thought this was interesting. Paul McCartney did an interview recently. Uh, Paul McCartney is 80 uh, right now. And uh, in the conversation, one of the things that came up was digesting the death of John Lennon. And what I thought was interesting, I've never heard him say it quite like this before, uh, Paul, is that he didn't know what to think. He was raw. It was too deep. It was it was too confusing. And so what he did in the hours after, and I think I've heard a, a version of this uh, before, hours after learning about the death of his bandmate and friend, uh, and we know all the other stuff going on with the Beatles, is he watched TV like anybody else. And he watched all the coverage, the conversations, uh, the the things being said by reporters or people on the street uh, talking about the importance of of his band, of the Beatles, of John Lennon, of, of everyone. And I know uh, that politics and whatnot might make people uh, like or dislike the band itself. Uh, but just think about that for a second, that someone as famous as Paul McCartney and the Beatles were 
And as you assume close as those uh, individuals were at a time in their life, that what he actually wound up doing to digest the loss of his his friend, however strange that friendship might have been at certain points, uh, and all of it very well reported, was what everybody else did. And just watched TV, just listened. And it's actually very similar to what we do in our everyday lives when we lose people we love and care about as well. Uh, sometimes one of the things that makes you feel better is hearing a story that maybe you haven't heard before or being reminded of a, a good thing that happened uh, that makes you feel connected for just a moment uh, to a person that's no longer with you. So it's it was kind of interesting to hear Paul McCartney say the way he he got back to being able to think about it and process it as Paul McCartney, as a guy who was so close and knew John Lennon and uh, probably starts calling and talking to people and whatnot. But the way he at first got to that point was to just be us, just be another fly in the wall watching the scene on the television and trying to digest it. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Welcome to Chad. No, not the country. The institution. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Happy to be with you uh, over the holidays. Chad is back after the holiday uh, week this week. Um, I saw two things that went viral that I was intrigued by on social media. The first one is on a place I like on the internet. It's Reddit. There's a subreddit called Am I the Jerk? That's actually a word that starts with an A, but I'm going to go with Am I the Jerk here. Where someone tells a story, I assume they're true. They're probably not true a lot of the time. And then asks who's the jerk, them or the other person. Uh, This wife went to social media and said that on Christmas this year, uh, her husband tried to take a nap in the middle of the day, and then she tried to ban the nap that the husband was taking at, say, 11 o'clock after waking up Christmas morning uh, because he does it too often. He's, quote, a night owl, owl, and she is a light sleeper uh, who never naps. And because of this, he naps all the time. He naps on the weekend. And I guess uh, she thought it was inappropriate. She was appalled. Uh, That's actually one of the words she chose. And so she asked, is she the jerk for trying to outlaw the midday nap? Or is he the jerk for wanting to take it in the first place? Uh, She also let out that they were partying together, uh, the two of them, late at night. Um, So that's why they were uh, particularly tired that morning. And that even though they both woke up together at 9 o'clock and celebrated the holiday with their family, their daughters, who then, I guess, went downstairs to play with their toys on their own. Uh, No one wanted to watch a Christmas movie or anything like that. Uh, Since that all happened, he went up to nap, and then he got an earful and then also complained about on social media. Most of the Internet agreed with the guy. They said that it's a little bit extreme to be trying to control when your uh, husband is trying to sleep. If he's tired and wants to take naps, uh, that's kind of something he's going to be allowed to do. Uh, She even went back with an edit, uh, which is my favorite part of these things, uh, where you try to convince those detractors who are telling you you were, in fact, the jerk, that they're still wrong, where she said, oh, so everybody on here has kids? Uh, Question mark. Uh, Plus the 104 days of the week, uh, weekends where he goes to sleep in the middle of the day anyway, doesn't spend time with his kids. It's all a big problem. So honestly, what it sounds like she's saying is that they have a fundamental relationship disagreement uh, that they need to work on, and it came to a head on Christmas Day, and she wanted the internet to agree with her, so I guess she'd show it to the husband as far as win goes. Uh, but I was amazed that so many people defended him. Uh, it is, I guess, tough, and I'm not a parent, I don't know, uh, to deal with the fallout of Christmas alone, uh, cleaning up of all the wrapping paper and whatnot. Uh, you could wait, though. Uh, that's another solution that he probably provided that probably wasn't liked by her. 
uh, someone who went to the internet to complain about it. But I just thought it was interesting that it went viral and so many people were in Camp Dad on this one because if you're tired, you, you need sleep. That's something you got to do. You got to go ahead and go. And if the kids don't want to watch a movie or hang out with you anyway, uh, what's he really missing? Uh, one other thing I saw out there that I thought was interesting. Uh, this is a little bit uh, adult, I guess, in nature. Uh, not quite as adult as something I plan on talking about later on in the show, but we'll get there. That's not for now. There is some deep dive. Uh, this was in the New York Post in what they're calling Japanese love hotels. Uh, they were describing some of the things that are inside the hotels themselves, colorful neon lights, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, mirrors in places that you probably don't need mirrors. But here's one thing that got mentioned that I'm just confused about. And maybe I'm now uh, outing myself as a guy that doesn't understand this kind of stuff. I've been married for 10 years. I've never been to a Japanese love hotel. I don't know why I'm mentioning that on the radio, but darn it, it's out there. They have like slides. And what I mean by that is it looks like a tiny version of a water park slide that would be in the hotel room. Uh, not like a bathtub or anything, but like literally a, a climb up the stairs and go down a couple uh, half turn circle things slide. And I, I don't know what that is. And I don't think that that's a safe place to do any of the stuff that people might plan on doing inside the, quote, love hotel. I never wanted to add a version of, of uh, you know, physical challenge uh, beyond what already exists to that scenario. But I, I'm just surprised and confused by that. And I just wanted to share that on the radio. Why would you need a slide? I, I've heard of places that have versions of really fancy hot tubs and whatnot, but I, I don't totally understand why you need the version of thing they have there. And I just want that to hang out there in the world. And everyone that knows the answer can be making fun of me together. I accept it. And those that, well, don't, uh, well, join the club. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, severe winter weather caused a, a horrible situation in a few places in this country, including in Buffalo, New York. Uh, the mayor of uh, Buffalo, uh, Byron Brown, was saying how the lowest of the low um, are the individuals right now who are looting. I, I have a little bit of that audio I know there's a lot of people who aren't going to be fans of the politician themselves. Uh, what I thought was odd about this story and the last few days about it is that there was some denying that looting was going on to the degree that it was going on in Buffalo after uh, the storm that, when it hit that area, uh, took the lives of uh, 27 uh, people, I think, at last count. Here we go. If I, may. I just want to add that people who are out looting when people are losing their lives in this harsh winter storm is just absolutely reprehensible. Uh, I don't know how these people can even live with themselves, how they can look at themselves in the mirror. They are the lowest of, of the low. So I will say here that I am glad that um, uh, taking on looters, taking on people who are taking advantage of a horrible situation is a valuable thing and a thing that I'm glad that a politician is doing. 
Uh, there have been times in our society where that, for whatever reason, wasn't the case, where you didn't really go after and indict uh, the people that were looting, rioting, and all the whatnot that they're doing. And it was weird early on in that story. Uh, I think this was probably yesterday or maybe even the day before, uh, where there were all these claims that that wasn't a thing that was happening that much at all. Uh, but now it appears, at least as of uh, that press conference, which I think might have actually been yesterday, uh, that at least they're admitting how much of it's going on and how terrible it is. And there's a bunch of stuff on social media, too, uh, showing like stores overturned and and other things going on. And so, um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in that world. Just wanted to reference that quickly. Uh, a few other things I thought were interesting. One of them is the Twitter files, uh, a conversation that I think more and more people are having whether or not the mainstream media, legacy media, whatever you want to call it, is covering it as well as they should. I think some of these are gaining more attention than others. Uh, and I think that's probably a good thing because I think there's probably a lot more Twitter files yet to be released. Uh, but the most recent set of things discuss how Twitter uh, censored social media during the COVID pandemic and specifically censored science and medicine. Uh, during the coronavirus pandemic, uh, Fox News put it on one of their uh, medical experts, Dr. Mark Siegel. And Dr. Siegel talked about how early on in the pandemic, uh, when he was trying to use some of his own uh, expertise and understanding to talk about the um, not so valuable parts of the lockdown plan, uh, that he experienced some of this even himself, but that there were a lot of other things that occurred and some that were showed via these most recent reportings on the Twitter files that, that really demonstrate that, say, you silence one person who's actually just sharing CDC data uh, because they're commenting on another person's post that's talking about how um, the leading cause of death in children was COVID in 2021, and the first person is lying. Uh, excuse me, the, the person talking about COVID and children is lying, and the person just sharing CDC data is obviously trying to counteract that with uh, what they say is cherry-picking uh, different stats. Twitter chose to not silence the person uh, with the the blatant lie that's the initial tweet, but to add a warning to and eventually penalize and ban the person who was putting up the better context version of a conversation. That's just one example, one that was shown, but a lot they said that existed. Uh, here is Dr. Siegel talking about how that is not even really aligned with what science is supposed to be. They were not following science, essentially. Very disturbing. Uh, censorship, especially coming from the government, Griff, is on the road to totalitarianism, isn't it? On either side, anyone in power trying to suppress opinions. And science is based on the diversity of opinions, especially in a situation of evolving science with a new virus that people don't understand. Look, I'll stop it and I'll probably play a little bit more of the audio in a second. Um, that matters, and that matters differently, I think, than the way we talk about some of this other stuff. It's not necessarily that you want to stand on the rooftop. Uh, I myself got the vaccine, and I'm not sure I regret getting the initial vaccine. I think the third shot, I've had three of the recommended four, is one that in my age group I may not be happy that I got, to say the very least about that. And I won't dive deeper. I'm no medical expert. Uh, go talk to a doctor that is in your own world, in your own orbit, about any of this stuff. Don't just watch the ones on TV, uh, no matter who they are, whatever side they're on. Uh, but again, to talk about how the lack of a scientific process existed in our society um, because of the way in which we censored the places where we go to, to speak. We go on social media. Uh, we try to have these conversations. I, I think it emboldened a lot of people to believe that the things that they were saying, the way that they were living, the reaction they were having uh, to the early on parts of the pandemic was the quote unquote right way. And the other individual was doing it wrong. 
uh, banning people from restaurants and whatnot for not having a vaccine like they do in places like New York uh, winds up looking pretty bad in in light of some of the data and things coming out. But all of this just separated us further. And all of this was done, and I believe even Twitter thought they were doing it, in the name of we know we're getting it right, we know we're correct about something, so we're going to do it this way because we know there's no way down the line that we wind up being wrong. And then down the line, they all wind up being wrong because we didn't follow the process of science itself and the way in which dissenting, uh, dissenting opinion, uh, valuable uh, contradiction to some of the things that some people think and believe actually pushes us all to a better understanding of anything. That was a little high and mighty. Hear a little bit more from Dr. Siegel. Don't know about yet. That's why the word emergency use authorization was used, because it was new, because the vaccine was new because we didn't know how contagious and deadly and how much this virus affected us. I said at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was concerned about lockdowns because I had researched that for prior books on prior lockdowns going all the way back to the Middle Ages where there were problems with them because people rebelled, people were fearful and they didn't necessarily contain the pathogen. And this virus we soon found out was way more contagious than we thought. So lockdowns were a poor strategy and yet, there was an attempt made to call that misinformation and disinformation. Yes, on the most valuable platform, or one of the most valuable platforms. Obviously, it happened on all the other ones as well, uh, too. We only definitively know about Twitter because of Elon Musk. Uh, but that pushed the conversation certain directions. And then you add to that how Dr. Fauci was propped up and interviewed everywhere. And some of these experts, these doctors, these scientists uh, were being ignored. That were saying other things or being called fringe Uh, conservatives or whatever they were, fringe um, uh, conspiracy theorists, Uh, some of them working at places even like Harvard, uh, were being told that they need to shut up and let the other side uh, talk. Uh, You get a a second opinion in your everyday life in the world of medicine, often. Uh, There are times where you go to one doctor who believes a certain thing, and just because you don't like what they think, you go find another opinion. And guess what? A lot of times that second opinion is not identical to the first person because science, medicine, the practice of all that stuff from a layman, someone who doesn't do it and doesn't understand it well, uh, it varies person to person since a lot of it is not definitive until long after. And we're still gaining more and more information. So I just think it's interesting uh, that there's so much awareness to this now. So little coverage of it is is especially interesting to me. And honestly, what would have been probably a more valuable version of understanding each other that could have existed but didn't in our society uh, because politicians, government, and social media influence being what it was, uh, pushed us to think about it the way that they think about everything. All the other stuff had to go the same way. There had to be a right and a wrong, a good guy and a bad guy, whatever you want to say it there. And it doesn't matter how many of these things are facts now or will uh, not be facts just a little bit later. One other thing I do want to play, I think this is interesting. Uh, This is the Washington Examiner uh, and a reporter named Sarah Westwood uh, popping up on Fox talking about the presidential election, uh, coming up about uh, President, uh, former President Trump, about Ron DeSantis in Florida and what his appeal is. I do think this is a pretty good way to put it as far as what uh, maybe mostly conservatives are talking about right now, but maybe independents and Democrats might be talking about in the near future. Uh, the way in which some of the pushback to some of this craziness, even the stuff I'm talking about in the world of COVID, uh, Florida handled itself a certain way, uh, different than a lot of other states did, and I think they're grateful for the way that uh, DeSantis handled it now, as more and more of this information demonstrates the problem with lockdown, the lack of, of value in the world of education for kids, being at home, wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, but beyond all that, too, I just think it's interesting as I as I play this seg- segment uh, that media hasn't truly turned on and descended on a DeSantis yet. And I imagine that will happen when and if he jumps up to the forefront, much like it did everywhere else, much like even on Twitter. They started vilifying those uh, with the help of the machine that were saying things that were scientifically accurate or at least valuable in the discussion and being treated like they weren't. Broadly speaking, throughout the country, you know, DeSantis has shown a way to sort of wage those culture war fights in education, you know, on immigration, on a lot of these issues that Republicans really care about in a way that is still not nearly as divisive as Donald Trump. He was able to to have hundreds of thousands of Democrats who did not support him the first time around come around to his side with his landslide election in 2022. So in the world of political uh, conversation, I think we're we're quickly, quickly blazing a trail toward debating whether or not Michael Jordan or LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time is similar to debating whether or not Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis should be the heir apparent in the Republican Party right now. I feel like right now it's it's probably something where if you're a LeBron fan, to go back to the other example, you're saying there's still more game left to play. And if you're a correct person like me, a Michael Jordan fan, you know that 6-0 and in the championship, 6-0 and in the finals, and and never losing um, um, the way in which LeBron lost, uh, never surrendering the way in which LeBron, all those things matter. Anyway, I digress. I'm not going to do that here because no one needs it here. Uh, but to go back to the other conversation and how interesting those takes are and that, con- that sort of thing goes over the next few years is, at least in Florida, DeSantis was able to even do things in the world of the pandemic that were being uh, yelled and screamed and frowned upon uh, by everybody else, and yet he he succeeded in getting those independent, those Democratic voters on his side. And so maybe that is the the template to success for everyone that isn't a Trump, because Trump can't reinvent the wheel at this point. But I will say this, and this is kind of what I meant to say a second ago when I prefaced with, I know all of these takes are probably ones you've heard a thousand times. Uh, a lot of Republicans, I think, believe that Trump was a necessary political uh, person, politician, uh, president in general, uh, and the way in which he carried himself, because at the time when he first became uh, a person in that industry or in that field or whatever, we first started to pay attention to him in that uh, primary race in 16, when a lot of people still didn't think he would win even the primary, much less the presidency, uh, the way in which he carried himself did demonstrate how everybody else behaved a certain way and how broken and flawed that whole system was, uh, whether that was the intention or the byproduct of a a celebrity and a reality TV star uh, dipping their toe into the water of politics and doing uh, well enough to win a presidential election. Um, I don't know. But the the fact that that was a version of just conversation and things, I think, enhanced and, and uh, excited and captivated a lot of people, even people who probably watched some of that stuff and said, man, I wouldn't have said it like that. I think there was a lot of that. So I don't know if we're still in a place where society will eventually gravitate toward that again, and they might. Uh, certainly a lot of conservatives, I think, would vote for Trump if he's the inevitable nominee. Uh, but I just find it interesting that that the strategy now is to find a way to to work within the system, or at least that's the assumption, uh, but also at times valuably push back against it to not just follow along like so many leaders, so many states, so many places did when we're again connecting it to the COVID stuff. All right, quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. I am not a terrorist. I am not Antifa. I 
am not a sex slave that wears masks. <gasps> Don't be a cutie pie. Probably sit around and cook some soups and eat bread and desserts and just get all fat and sassy. You're ruining my life, bud! You are ruining You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Greg Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, quickly, I'm going to try to tell a version of a of a story in my own everyday life, an experience I had uh, based on this story I saw pop up. Uh, and I don't know if this could be valuable. Darn it. Give me a few minutes. Let me try it out. Uh, first, a woman went online and complained. She said that she was grocery shopping. Uh, she was actually leaving the grocery store, putting all her groceries away, uh, took her baby out of the cart, put her baby in the front seat of the car, uh, strapped the baby in with the car seat and whatnot, and then left the door open. And as she was going to return the the shopping cart, a couple car spaces down, a couple parking spaces from where her car is, some other woman drove up, thought that the baby was being left behind as the woman was walking into the store. I don't know why the other woman thought that so quickly and started making a huge scene and screaming and yelling at the woman for leaving her baby behind, forgetting about her baby. How dare you? This baby, it's outside. The the door's open, et cetera, et cetera. It became a whole thing. Uh, the end of the story, I thought, was probably the most interesting. Uh, the two women wind up talking uh, quite a bit more than you'd expect them to after a, a public disagreement like that. And uh, actually, the first woman, the woman who definitely wasn't leaving her baby alone in the car, said that she understood and forgave the other woman for the craziness of the scene uh, because she was just trying to protect her child. Um, and then the first woman said, I probably should have given you the benefit of the doubt and not reacted so quickly. Anyway, the reason I like this story at all and just super fast is that I had a somewhat similar experience. I am a millennial. However, I don't consider myself to be a dog dad or a, a father of an animal that's not a thing. I like my dog a lot. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite uh, pets that I've ever had in my entire life. It's probably my favorite pet I've ever had in my entire life. But anyway, I'm not trying to compare babies and, and animals. I want to throw that out there just for whatever reason. Uh, but I, I had a similar thing happen in the summer this past year where I left my dog in the car. I rolled down the windows just to order food. I used to take my dog to a Panera and sit on the patio and eat with the dog. The dog would be uh, right around the the bottom of the table. I'd put the little leash around the table and she'd just sit there and chill and we'd eat, I'd eat my lunch and give her probably some scraps. It was a whole thing. Anyway, uh, one time when I did this and I'd left the car for all of probably 30 total seconds, a family of four, a father, a mom, and two kids burst into the Panera and started screaming throughout the whole thing that someone had trapped their dog in the car. The dog was dying in the heat. And I looked at them like, what now? And they, they started saying it. And I was like, that's me. I just got here. I'm going back out to the dog in a second. I don't know what you're saying. And they treated me like crap the whole time. They were convinced that I definitely was doing the thing they said they were doing. And it definitely was appropriate to cause the big, giant, crazy scene. And I just sort of ignored it and moved on uh, and then privately stewed or privately got quite um, annoyed by it. But I also kept thinking about it because it's one thing to try to protect an animal, a baby, anything in our lives. It's another thing to make a big, giant, ridiculous scene inside any sort of establishment, outdoors, wherever it might be. Because I think that's the society we live in now. That's the product of our times. That's the yelling and screaming about anything you don't like in your own life on social media. Uh, because that's not necessarily the most effective way to make sure that the baby, or in this case, the pet, is safe in a car. It's definitely the way to get the most attention while claiming that's what you're doing. And so, yeah, I've had a frustration myself. Uh, no wound up. Uh, we did not wind up having a long conversation and coming to terms. I guess that's on me. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. 
Jason Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Greg Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Just quickly, there's a whole lot going on in the world. Uh, You would think that our president was hard at work doing stuff. Uh, Well, if you think that he's a president that's hard at work and doing stuff ever. Uh, Some people might think he's never that kind of guy. (laughs) Myself probably included there. And I know that this is a cheap shot. I feel like people take this a lot. On both sides of the aisle, you heard it all the time uh, when Trump would go on any sort of trip to go golfing or whatnot, uh, that he's skirting his responsibilities and vacationing and how dare he. Uh, But I got this. This is Peter Ducey. This is Fox News uh, saying what our president is up to uh, when a lot of things are going on in our world. You saw it there. The president has a lot on his plate. And for the next few days, he's going to be dealing with all of it from afar because the first family (laughs) stayed here at the White House for Christmas, but Uh plans tomorrow to fly to vacation for the rest of this year and the beginning of next year in St. Croix. Oh, how nice. How lovely for them. I wonder how much work they'll be doing while in St. Croix. Uh, I I will be honest, though, like I know uh, that it's a bit of a cheap shot. It's just it's just entertaining. And actually, uh, you hear this news about and I think it's probably been said before and there's not really a lot of reason to to trust uh, Vladimir Putin. I'm not trying to prop the guy up at all. I'm definitely uh, pro-Ukraine and anti-Russia. And I put all that out there uh, just because I feel like you need to preface in our society right now with that stuff. Uh, But Putin has said that he would like to uh, negotiate the end of this war, uh, create peace talks and Uh, probably uh, wind up trying to take some sort of uh, part of the contested area uh, that is part of Ukraine, but it's been contested for a very long time. Uh, And Ukraine is definitely going to say no to that. And the United States is probably not going to be involved. But Putin says it's up to the West, up to the United States specifically, uh, when and if that gets done. So it is interesting to think that the president, our president, is off on a nice trip after we give a big, giant, fat check to Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and now we're gonna probably going to tap out on a lot of that stuff for a little while. And I will just say this again. I don't want to overly talk about that subject, about that topic, but it, it has a lot of value to me in the way we discuss it, that there will be that moment where it is vitally important, I think, for the United States to have a role in convincing Ukraine that the end of the war doesn't look exactly the way the leaders and the people of Ukraine probably want it to look. And that's not something that'll be easy for Ukraine to take. And I don't judge the Ukrainian people for that because they should want as much revenge as you could possibly want in this situation. Uh, But somebody's going to have to step up. Some leader is going to have to be valuable. And I I don't know which leader it'll be because the leader in Ukraine, who seems to be beloved by a lot of people even here in our country, uh, that leader is unlikely to do this, to say the very least. Uh, And our leaders seem incapable of doing some of this stuff. But at some point, you're going to have to convince someone that uh, they have to not get the thing they want, which would be even taking back parts of the contested area like Crimea, which got annexed fully by Russia years ago. Anyway, uh, moving on, I do want to talk about the Whippy Goldberg thing uh, a little bit. Uh, I I know that you might wonder to yourself, hey, what does he mean? What's the latest uh, Whippy Goldberg thing? And unfortunately, there is a latest in the world of of her and her ever uh, strange or offensive or whatever you want to call it a take on the Holocaust. Uh, She was suspended from her job at The View uh, earlier this year 
when she said that the Holocaust wasn't about race, that it was white people and other white people. And so she had a horrible, horrible and offensive take uh, back at the time. She then went on Colbert's show, and I would play some of this audio, but I really don't want to hear these takes again. So I apologize if you haven't heard them. That's on me. I'll, I'll go ahead and accept it. Uh, and she kind of tried to defend herself by saying that people reacted, that maybe they misunderstood some of what she was trying to say. She didn't really do the, the full-fledged version of an apology. You would expect someone who has the television thing set up to do after they've already been suspended from their own gig. And now we come to this, the end of the year. It's been a while. She's back on television somehow. Uh, by the way, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about how a, a lot of other individuals probably lose their gig, not that either me or my friend is a fan of cancel culture, but lose their gig outright uh, based on the things they said. And one of the examples my friend even threw out is look at what's going on with Kanye West even and how, and I think Kanye said a lot of worse things than Whoopi. I'm not going to put them in exactly the same uh, category here. Um, but uh, Kanye has had a lot of things taken away and he's fired from Adidas and everything and whatnot. Uh, those deals have ended. So yeah, no, it, for some reason, uh, Whoopi Goldberg has probably survived part of her controversy better than most would. And again, her controversy is not identical to Kanye's, but it's in the same ballpark. Uh, no one would argue that. Uh, anyway, she said to Times of London that uh, she is still sort of agreeing with the things she said before what she actually said is remember who they were killing first they were not killing racial they were killing physical they were killing people they considered to be mentally defective and then they made this decision this is whoopee she said it doesn't change the fact that you could not tell a jewish person from someone else on the street uh, you could find me you couldn't find them that was the point i was making I just want to even uh, highlight that second thing that I, that's a direct quote from Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg and how that would actually cause controversy if a lot of people spoke it in our society. It doesn't change the fact that you could not tell a Jewish person on the street, you could find me uh, pointing to herself as a, a black woman. You couldn't find them. And that was the point I was making. I mean, that in and of itself is, is a shocking sentence. Um, but again, what she, she continues to misunderstand is the value of her opinion on this topic. I think that might be the best way to say it, the most important way to say it, because she's wrong, because she's uninformed, because she's someone who who probably doesn't have a lot of detractors in her life telling her a lot of the other things she says are wrong. Um, and so here she is, all this time later, having learned nothing of the lesson of being suspended, having learned nothing of the lesson of of having offended people for just getting something inaccurate, and I'm not saying that speech or whatnot needs to be silenced. I'm not trying to say that that's the end goal. Uh, but if we are a, a culture that cancels people, I'm surprised this won't cause her to still get canceled. And it won't. It's definitely not going to happen. Uh, but it's just it's just amazing. Uh, and maybe this is the way I want to talk about it. And I think that this is definitely a product of celebrity culture and uh, sycophants and all the things that exist in that world. Uh, but maybe it's becoming more and more a part of a lot of other parts of our society, too. Uh, the hunker down, the the make sure that my opinion is is still right and find a way to prove it as opposed to find a way to admit some times when my opinion was wrong. Uh, there's that mentality that exists in, in a lot of situations with a lot of people, uh, even in situations where things wind up coming out later that are demonstrating how wrong a take might be, whether it's the world of COVID, whatever it might be, uh, and the Twitter files being what they are and showing us the way that uh, social media censored certain things. I think even the Hunter Biden story is a valuable example right now. 
and however much more it goes into the future, uh, where a lot of news organizations don't cover it. And I think that's just pride. That's just arrogance. That's just an assumption that, well, no, we were pretty clear about what we said before, so we can't go back and admit how wrong we were. We're just not going to do it. Or even Dr. Anthony Fauci, who uh, seems to not deserve to get lumped in with all this, uh, taking all these different products here. Uh, but my take now has multiple tentacles. Uh, in an interview that he gave recently where he said he did nothing wrong or nothing he would change in his entire run as a person in a political position, uh, or at least in a position within the government, depending on how you feel about Fauci, uh, to say that you would go back and change nothing about your professional career is sort of insane in and of itself, too. Uh, but maybe it's because these individuals, whoever they are, uh, don't want criticism. And the only way that they think they can combat criticism in our society now is never admitting fault at all, essentially being what politicians have been for a very long time. But I find it very interesting, again, uh, that Whoopi did another interview and that's still trying to contextualize her points instead of just saying, and this is what I would have said, this is the tip I would have given, is I was wrong, I know I hurt people, I'm sorry for that, and I'm, I'm learning uh, more all the time about some of that, that stuff that I didn't know, some of those things that I didn't appreciate, the way that you, very simple conversation. You don't have to do a deep dive, you don't have to try to find the way that you think that uh, you're actually still right. All right, I want to move on. A couple other things I think are out there and interesting in the world. I'll do this first, and then we'll take a break, and then I'll do the other the, the counterpoint to one of these things. So it's the end of the year, and there's a bunch of lists, and I've been on and off teasing uh, that I wanted to talk about this uh, a little bit later on in the show, and we're getting to that time running out of the show. Uh, but you'll see all kinds of things. Right now, in the last day or two, uh, we found out that one of the top searches uh, locally on Google uh, in any community throughout the country is gas prices near me. A lot of people wondered how expensive those were going to be. So that was at the top of the list. As far as health-related concerns, what was nice, and this news has uh, bounced around a few places, COVID-19 actually isn't anywhere on the top search terms of 2022. It's it's not there. Uh, COVID vaccines and other things, yeah, fine. Maybe they're still on the list. But COVID-19 itself is not something people are looking up or searching anymore. Uh, and even actually one of the things I thought was interesting about the last, say, few days is a whole lot of people were, were searching a bunch of different recipes for food items to make for family and friends as they gather for the holidays. So some of the those are some of the popular year-end lists uh, that everybody shares and everybody talks about of terms and whatnot, maybe videos people are watching, uh, Netflix things that were successful. I don't care what it is. So I have another one. It's not exactly as mainstream as some of those. It's a little bit adult in nature, uh, and it involves the ER, and that's coming up after this. But first, a quick break. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And then they passed us a baton. And the question is, what will we do with the time we carry the baton? You either smoking something or you just dumb as hell. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? What? Oh my God. Get your ass on that school bus and go home. Meet me. I call myself a joyful warrior. The Chad Benson Show. 
This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back after the holiday, much-deserved vacation for one of the hardest-working and definitely most talented guys I know that does this sort of thing, the world of radio. Uh, quickly, before I get to some of the other stories that I've wanted to talk about pretty much the whole show today, I will tell you that Nostradamus has predictions, according to several different places, uh, about the year 2023, and they're bad. They're they're terrible. There's not a lot of good on there. Although one uh, article I found said that he predicted the uh, historic mission of Mars uh, happening. Uh, that's not exactly planned quite yet, but uh, I guess we're hoping. Elon Musk said maybe by 2029 uh, in Nostradamus's writings, there is the celestial fire when the lights of Mars go out uh, mentioned, which some are thinking is a prediction that we're going to Mars. Uh, but then there's also a prediction of World War III, according to some of the writing. There's a prediction of the end of times, uh, the return of the Antichrist or uh, the, the existence of the Antichrist, et cetera, et cetera. So there's just a lot of stuff out there. Uh, in the world, um, and I've never, I've never really taken any of the stuff that Nostradamus ever said is valuable. Uh, but darn it, I feel like the doom scrolling, the fear scrolling that's always existed at this time of year when someone somewhere references what uh, he expected to be happening around this time of of life. Uh, you know, it's never, it's never fun. It's never good. You know what? I'd love it if like one year all he had were nice things, like casual stuff too. Like everyone's gonna. Uh, meet at a picnic, and it's going to be nice. <laughs> that would be a, a valuable thing to see eventually. Uh, it's not there. Uh, some other stuff that I, I thought was interesting, uh, the world's most, the eight most annoying people, uh, one's actually a couple, in the world, according to Fox News, uh, got published. Number one on the list was Meghan Markle and, quote, uh, Prince whatever his name is. I love that that is the way they describe it. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, of course, uh, their documentary, et cetera, et cetera, uh, makes them annoying. Uh, there actually is also a story today about a great gift that Meghan Markle once gave Prince William uh, years ago. I think back in, say, 2017 or 2013 at some point, uh, gave him some kind of gift that was an engraved spoon that said serial killer on it. Uh, but talking, of course, about the food product, C-E-R-E-A-L, cereal, and that's a story that's out there. So I think the reason that they're actually quite annoying to a whole lot of people is how often they're in the news for ridiculous stuff anyway. Uh, but I agree with that. The most annoying people includes uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Uh, it also includes The View as a whole, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, Kanye West made the list for 2022 uh, most annoying people. Chris Cuomo, a valuable member of the list. I can't believe that Andrew Cuomo is not on this list as well. Uh, Brian Stelter uh, popped up on this list. And quote the last one, don't get mad at me. I'm the messenger. I'm not the one saying this. Harry Potter people are on this list as far as people who are annoying, uh, whether it's being mad at J.K. Rowling and what she said recently or being excited about something coming out in the world of that uh, Harry Potter franchise, uh, quote, Harry Potter people, which actually is a millennial, I feel like describes um, a lot of people I know. Uh, yeah, not really myself. I'm, I'm not going to admit that. It's definitely not true. All right. I want to do another year-end list, and I probably have way too many minutes to do this, so we're probably going to move on at some point when it becomes uncomfortable for all involved. Uh, but darn it, I, I like uh, quirky year-end lists. I like a little bit of humor that might not be uh, the same as everybody else. And so it's actually something I've, I've looked up before. Uh, I've looked up the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission's database for the craziest emergency room visit things uh, at the end of the year. And what I mean by that actually is objects that got stuck in places. Uh, what they're actually referred to via the medical database is orifices. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you which orifice that these things got stuck in. I just want to highlight some of the stuff that uh, people got stuck places uh, in 2022. In 2022, And remember, the ear, the nose, 
even the throat are things that are on this list along with, well, other orifices. So I'm not, I'm not telling you the where. And you can guess all you want. And if everybody guesses the same place every single time uh, and it's not one of the places I mentioned, that's fine. That might not be inaccurate. It's just a thing. Uh, so here are some of the things listed. A BB shot from a distance. <laughs> I wound up in an orifice. Um, uh, monkey noodles, uh, which, by the way, I had to Google what that is. I didn't know what that was. I thought that was something it's not. It's the little kid's toy, the little... Uh, anyway, Google it yourself if you want to. Uh, two earbuds, not just one, but both of them. Uh, a plastic owl, a plastic sword, several other things that are both plastic and then object in nature. I'm not going to go through all of those on the list. Uh, game pieces, Battleship, one of the most commonly ones mentioned here, but Battleship pieces got, uh, well, stuck in orifices. Uh, someone who claimed in the ER that they were trying to do a magic trick and they lost a pencil in a place they weren't proud of. Uh, but that was a magic trick, man. That's all that was. It's just a magic trick that went wrong. Uh, I couldn't fit uh, the pencil up my sleeve, so I had to find another spot uh, for it. Uh, other things that are li listed, again, I'm not telling you. It could be any place in the human body that this stuff is. Uh, a golf pencil, uh, a magic wand, I guess, to go with the magic. Someone who I guess claimed uh, that they had forgot to remove the foil wrapper from their burrito before it got lodged somewhere. <laughs> A fully wrapped burrito is a thing that was out there. Laser pointers, uh, yogurt containers. Oh, my. People, please stop the things. A gingerbread man-shaped brooch, uh, which is a very unique thing. So it was a brooch that looked like a gingerbread man, and it got it got stuck a place. Uh, collectible coins. Uh, this was another one that I noticed on the list. Uh, very old, valuable coins, it said. Uh, someone was actually trying to flip the coins, and then something may have happened. The thing I like most outside of the list and the craziness and the, the bad decisions we all make as human beings, or well, actually very few of us make some of these bad decisions as human beings, is the very common excuses. Uh, a lot of, I fell over. A lot of somebody bet me to do this. A lot of I was intoxicated and this sort of thing happened. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on this list uh, that really shouldn't. My, my maybe most dramatic one to end it here and then we'll stop. A fishing pole. An entire fishing pole wound up a place. It should not have been. Oh, a made a handmade uh, toy that was made completely out of metal is something else. There you go. Happy holidays, everybody. Only a few more days left of this interesting 2022. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show.